First Thursday of the month is also the first Thursday of 2021. And as always, we welcome in Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder to kick back, relax, and enjoy an hour of friendly conversation. Mayor Langfelder, Happy New Year, and thanks so much for taking the time. We always appreciate it. Well, Happy New Year to you, Jim. It's a new year. We're looking forward to it. Uh, and and I know everybody has some high hopes for 2021 to be better, calmer, less disrupted than was 2020. And, of course, we started off the new year very early on by trying to gradually move toward a bit more semblance of normalcy with the partial reopening of bars and restaurants back this past weekend. Mayor, what's your assessment so far? How do you think it's going? Well, I think... Uh you know, I, I'm a big diner anyway. I don't dine in yet. I always under the firm belief that we should have waited till January 12th or, you know, whatever that time frame would provide the separation between the New Year's Day gatherings and New Year's Eve gatherings versus opening up restaurants. That way we could track the data associated with opening up restaurants. But as far as, uh, you know, I think the restaurant owners, uh, they're happy to be open. I think uh, everybody just needs to be cognizant uh, that we're not out of the woods. We need to wear a mask. And I'm a firm believer to leave the restaurants open at the 25% capacity and work our way through it and then have you know strict guidelines. If they're not obeying the rules, you just shut them down for whatever period of time. But, uh, you know, uh, time shut will down tell. Individual you know, restaurants, not shut down all restaurants, just target correct, the ones that are, are not following the rules. Well, you also set rules, though, for bars in Springfield, those specifically that are bars rather than also serving uh, food, uh, and said they should not open at all or run uh, the risk of uh, sanctions on their liquor license. Uh, are they abiding by that? Do you know at this point? Yeah, actually, uh, well, I thought this question might come up. We did um, – I think uh, 90, approximately 90 uh, compliance checks the police have, and they all were in compliance because there's probably about 40 establishments that fall into that. And just so people understand, I was a firm believer in uh, separating out, like I said, restaurants from the New Year's gathering and then separating out the bars from the restaurants opening so you can gauge what the impact is on the positivity rate, hospitalizations, and then you keep moving forward instead of the open, close, uh, uh, you know, things that we've been doing like we experienced in November. Our positivity rate has started uh, climbing back up again here in Sangamon County. And today we had uh, the first triple digit count of new cases in three weeks. Are, are you concerned that things are starting to head the wrong direction again? Well, I hope I'm wrong. I just hope, I hope it doesn't go that route. I think uh, what's really helped is people wearing the masks. We appreciate them abiding by the city uh, ordinance associated with that because um, I think that's been the game changer in all of this because we went from the worst in the region with regards to Sangamon County and Springfield uh, with the high positivity rate to one of the lowest and that's due to you know the wearing the face masks and so we appreciate every support in that. But it is coming back up again. What what do you think oh, is yeah. causing that? To, I mean, people well, are still supposed to be wearing the masks. Well, the uh, that's well that's that's why you'd want to wait for the restaurants to open. Um, so you had that clear delineation from uh, the New Year's Day, New Year's Eve gathering. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Personally, I think it is the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day gatherings. I think people have gotten together, and uh, but time will tell. Hopefully, I'm wrong, and hopefully, it you know kind of stabilizes and remains where we're at or lower. 
and uh, so he can keep moving in that positive direction. Well, hopefully he's good, but if that doesn't, in <laughs> fact, happen, and if we do start to see uh, cases get back up again, we start to see that positivity rate go back into double digits and things, caseloads climbing again, what do we do then? Uh, you've already got a mask mandate. If you want the restaurants and bars to stay open, wh- what else do we do if the numbers keep trending the wrong direction? Well, that is a, a good question. And, again, if uh, – you know, unfortunately, I don't run the health department or anything of that nature, but it would have been a different scenario uh, with regards to that. So uh, last time when we had this happen, it was right after Halloween, and that's when the decision was made uh, from public health to close it down after four days because we hit the 12% range. And that's why one of the areas I thought was kind of uh, two things. One, not the separating from New Year's Day like I thought should have been, but the other one was a change from a positivity rate from 12%. They lowered it to 8%. Well, that's going to be a tough one to hold. I always thought it should be the same metrics as we did before. It kind of changed uh, with regards to that. So in answer to your question, what would happen if it starts escalating? I think uh, there's going to be a serious look at uh, probably going back to where we were and closing things down. Uh, the governor came out uh, with the mitigation where hopefully we can maintain it January 15th, and you open it up a little bit more. And so hopefully we'll be able to reach that point. We don't see a serious spike and uh, continue on in a positive manner rather than the negative one. In the meantime, city is still looking for ways to help various businesses who've been impacted by the pandemic, by all the restrictions on it. Some of this was talked about at the city council meeting earlier this week, including a utility relief for, for small businesses. Correct. Yeah. We, uh, Doug Brown gave a report, I think, uh, we had over 60 businesses. There's still funds available, of course, so we encourage anybody that uh, is interested, small businesses, to um, you know go online at cwlp.com backslash rebates and uh, fill out the form. You can apply for up to $3,000 of relief, um, and it's based on their usage uh, for two consecutive months. And then if someone's having trouble paying their bills, um, you can spread those out over a period of time. And then also on the residential side, we do have a program set up through to Street Renaissance, but you can go on uh, mycwlp.com and apply for the residential side of things for that uh, residential relief if you need to. And that's based on income level. You know, Mayor, um, early on in the pandemic, we had a number of establishments, uh, particularly downtown, close for for good. uh, And then things started to reopen. When they closed back down again in November, we heard of a couple of locations that shut their doors again. Maybe not as many as people might have feared. uh, But what are you hearing now in terms of bars, restaurants, even hotels, uh, other businesses? uh, Are are we going to see uh, a, a lot of additional closures here early in the new year? or do you think things have stabilized enough that establishments that held on this long can continue to hang on? Well, that's uh, why we did, uh, I'll answer the reverse question first about the hanging on part. Uh, That's why we came out with the utility assistance and also we did uh, apply or um, issue $5,000 grants to small businesses. I think we issued them to about 125 uh, entities uh, just to get them through, you know, the month of December and January until the federal relief comes and I think that's really what will tell uh, how we can uh, move forward and uh, make it through. And I haven't, you know, received all the details associated with it, but supposedly there is a package in there for hotels, um, again, with business relief, uh, things of that nature. So I think that will really tell us uh, what type of shape individuals are in. I know the hotel industry is 
suffering a great deal. I think the occupancy rate, just to give people an idea, we were hoping for 60% this year with the conventions we had planned and the regular tourism you would experience. And I think it was uh, around 35%. And so it was a drastic hit. And so uh, hopefully they do get the relief to continue on and move forward. But there is concern, but I think there's relief on its way through the federal last uh, CARES Act funds that they passed through the federal bill, but that still has to filter its way down to the business community. The uh, Wyndham City Center closed uh, temporarily. People still think of it as maybe the Forum 30 or the Hilton or whatever, but it's the, it's the Wyndham now downtown. And it closed temporarily uh, because of, just as you said, occupancy had dropped off so dramatically. But reopening was tied to the legislature coming back, which now they're returning tomorrow for at least a few days. So have you heard, has the Wyndham reopened and are they going to be able to uh, accommodate uh, guests as the legislature comes back to town? I have heard they have reopened. I haven't made my way over there, but I think that's probably the reason because uh, Bank of Springfield Center where the house would meet, uh, that's directly across the street. So we that's the importance of the legislature being in, uh, being in Springfield and uh, getting the people's works done. So we appreciate them coming back to do so. Uh, there was one bill that they're considering, and that's uh, being able to operate remotely I did talk to Representative Butler and uh, Senator Menard and, uh, you know, Senator McClure and Representative Murphy and Shear to express our concern about that. But um, if it gets to that point, hopefully it'll put in restrictions where it's only used in a emergency type situation um, and put some contingencies on that. But it does have a great rebounding impact on the city of Springfield being the state capital and the legislature, not only them here, but also, you know, lobbyists or uh, different entities that come to Springfield to, um, you know, share their opinion on issues. And so you won't see it as much in the veto session, but the spring session will be crucially important to us to uh, make sure people can still have that open government with the state by being here in person. Well, we do know a lot of that open government uh, and, and deals that get made often happen inside Springfield bars during session. So are you going to have uh, uh, patrols out this weekend doing more of those compliance checks at, on bars and other establishments to make sure that they're staying within capacity limits and not crowding uh, too many lawmakers and lobbyists into the place at one time? I think in the veto session, it's going to be, uh, you know, a little bit less populated as far as that goes. But to answer your question, uh, you know, the police aren't out there to, uh, you know, uh, find people. They're out there to make sure people are in compliance. So the, uh, how they handle it is on a on their regular routine. And so usually it's a drive-by situation. But, you know, um, a lot of the legislators, I think, uh, you know, are still concerned about the virus and uh, you know, while they're in Springfield, what we hope is that they do mask up and then they enjoy themselves, you know, with the establishments that are opened and uh, support those that still uh, do it in the tents or, you know, curbside or what have you. Mayor, we had the chance to talk to you uh, right before the first of the year and asked about the city budget. You indicated it was still at that point a couple of weeks away. Well, it's about a week later. So are we still on track to have that in the hands of the alderman maybe sometime next week? Well, let's see. Goal is to have it by the end of the week. Um, so uh, we're fine-tuning some of the uh, larger departments' budgets. Uh, you know, Chief Riney had exited, so uh, Chief Blau's taking a look at it and fine-tuning his portion. So we hope to have it again by the end of next week. One of the things you, you mentioned to me when we discussed this recently was uh, talking about lowering headcount through attrition, and one of the ways to do that was through shared services. Can you elaborate a bit more on what you mean by that? 
Well, the one in particular we're looking at is uh, buildings and grounds. You know, it's similar to what uh, the centralized garage approach, you know, where each department had their own garage, like CWLP, Public Works, Police Department, and then it went under one uh, garage unit. Uh, with regards to buildings and grounds, you know, it's the uh, cutting of the grass, whether it's uh, on our own property, you know, usually at Oak Ridge Cemetery or maybe the power plant or you know, our own facilities uh, that we take care of. Um, this would uh, combine all of those uh, individuals under one reporting structure, and then you can prioritize projects, um, what's needed, as opposed to who has the greatest resources based on their budget, and uh, take care of what's needed uh, based on that. And then, so you could really maximize your not only your personnel but also you know financial resources to work more efficiently. How much do you expect to save through that move? Uh, well, time will tell on that. It's more of a operational um, success. We had uh, have done that um, and saved through time, but really the a lot of the savings that we've experienced this year, I think it was projected at anywhere between 2 and $3 million from last year's budget, or what we had budgeted, I should say, uh, was just through tightening the belt, uh, slowing down hiring. We continue to do that and um, not filling, um, you know, taking our time, filling positions and uh, as we needed to, and we were able to make those cuts. Uh, so really, the, it's uh, it's a matter of time that we'd have to check first. Logistically, when you're talking about different departments, uh, it's the reporting structure that would have to be put in place first, and then probably the following years when you'd see the financial changes associated with that move. Uh, you, you indicated that headcount may drop through attrition. Can you say yet how far you expect it to drop by the end of the next fiscal year compared to where it is now? Um, well, right now we're going through a decommissioning, I think, uh, the utility. So that's going to change dramatically when you have, uh, you know, we have two uh, coal-fired power plant uh, units that are going to go off, 31 and 32, and 33 in the near future. So just from that, we are transitioning people to other places, either with the utility or through the city. And so the headcount at the utility is going to drop dramatically when you're only operating eventually Dolman 4. So, um, but as far as an exact number, yeah, I haven't uh, looked into an exact number as far as that goes. But right now, uh, the police department, I know they're operating well below. You know, they we haven't been able to fill spots, or we've uh, the chief and his making his cut has been just, uh, you know, you have to bring on a class. And with COVID, they haven't had classes to bring on new cadets. Uh, so that's kind of delayed things, but they're down. I think it was like 30 positions based on that, but there'll be a big hiring uh, class comes next September, you know, probably 20 officers or plus, probably 20 plus, I would think. And the, the decommissioning of 31 and 32, that will happen in the coming fiscal year that starts March 1st? Correct. Yeah, the, they'll, yeah, at the end of this year, that'd be their final year of operation. Then you'd uh, look into the complete retirement of that and then uh, take a look at 33 thereafter. Got it. Mayor, we've been talking about the uh, upcoming city budget, and I know it's not in the alderman's hands yet, so there's not a lot you can uh, talk to us about. One of the things we know is going to be a big part of this is figuring out how much to devote to police and fire pensions. Before I ask you about that, I want to ask you about something that will have an impact on pensions farther down the road, and that was, of course, your decision in recent weeks to give Police Chief uh, Kenny Winslow uh, a 5% raise to convince him to stay here rather than go on to a job 
in Tennessee. You, you took a little heat from that from uh, at least one alderman I'm aware of, Chuck Redpath, who uh, criticized that decision and said it was wrong to do that, wrong to uh, to do something that will spike uh, Kenny Winslow's pension. And he said there were plenty of capable people who could have taken over the department if the chief had decided to leave for Tennessee. Uh, what's your response to that criticism? Well, um, you know, he didn't understand the spike. They did that under, I think it was Mayor Davlin at the time with the outgoing chief, uh, uh, Caldwell. But this was not a spike. It was a raise, plain and simple. He's underpaid. Uh, you look at other communities like Bloomington, I think it's Peoria. Um, other, you know, like positions are paid a lot more than what uh, not only Chief Williams is, or I'm sorry, Chief Winslow is, but also with regards to the command staff, there's a compaction issue where we don't have the rank and file coming up because they could earn more on um, overtime or just, you know, the secondary positions that they have uh, where, you know, our command staff and the chief for sure, they all put in a lot of extra hours and don't necessarily get paid for it for a lot less money. So we will have to address the compaction issue. And uh, so that doesn't bother me with regards to giving him a raise. He's earned it. Uh, There's been some years where he didn't even get a raise. So uh, the other thing with regards to the transition You'd always want to have time to transition, and I think uh, city council members, especially in the high-crimed areas of Springfield, would know the true value of uh, having Chief Winslow being able to uh, bridge that connection with the command staff in a greater level than what's taking place. I mean, they're all active, but when you're stepping into the chief's role, you are the uh, city's top cop, and as we showed, or what's been proven uh, throughout the uh, COVID and the civil unrest and the importance of community engagement comes to the forefront. And so that would give uh, Chief Winslow uh, a year to work with uh, Ken Scarlett. He's the assistant chief, as well as I asked him to work with uh, Brandon Blau, you know, the chief, fire chief, and uh, getting them uh, engaged in areas that need it most. And uh, that's what we intend to do. So it will help uh, smooth things over at actually a smoother transition of control and, um, you know, service to the people. And that's what it's all about. Is Chief Scarlett then going to be your your pick to replace Kenny Winslow when his time comes? Yeah, that was the intent all along. Um, you know, so with regard to that, unless something unforeseen happens, that's uh, uh, that's what the comfort level is. Uh, but time will tell. Uh, you, you talked about the, the chief deserving a raise. Will other city employees be getting raises in, the, in this new budget as well? Oh, in the new budget, um, yeah, that's what I'll have to look at the numbers. But, uh, again, uh, we've done more with less, so um, that's something that we will address in the budget. And if possible, we will give the raise. As you know, uh, city council members, myself included, or some have taken not taken raises, things of that nature. So, um, you know, I'm a firm believer in having everybody treated equally. I think we're going through union contracts now where we're asking for the 0% year and then uh, have raises built in thereafter. So I imagine we'll do something similar to um, those that aren't within the unions. So you're going to ask for no pay raises for the coming fiscal year, but but try to do something thereafter? Well, that's what I'll have to take a look at. I'm not sure if, see, this year I know unions received raises um, where I'm not sure if the uh, others have. I'll have to take a look at where we're at. Uh, with regards to that and assess it. But you, but you don't know. But, uh, I mean, based, based on what you're asking is, I'm a firm believer. I used to be treasurer, and I had a split department. Some were unions, some weren't. 
And uh, when they went through the tough times of furloughs, uh, my office didn't get furloughs. You know, I took a pay cut at that point in time, but I'm a firm believer in uh, treating all employees the same as much as possible. So, you know, if if you're going without raises, then everybody should. But if people are getting raises, then everybody should associated with that in the large group. But the Chiefs getting a raise, yet you're going to be asking other city workers to not get raises in the coming year. Well, in the Chiefs' situation, he's uh, vastly underpaid. I suspect a lot of people feel like they, they are in that boat. <laughs> Oh, possibly. I, you know, it's just uh, one thing with the city government. Uh, when I came over, I came from banking, you know, and uh, when I started, it used to be that uh, you know city workers had, um, you know, didn't have great pay uh, when it first started, and that's why they had the great benefit package. Now it's uh, almost flipped, where you have the great pay and the great benefits, and so I think uh, you know uh, everybody should concentrate on what they get and not necessarily what others get. And, um, you know, do what they can. And what I do is, you know, we're all here to serve the public as best we can. And that's what we should stay focused on. And we'll treat everybody as equally as much as possible. Knowing that it's going to be a hot topic of discussion when the budget finally gets into the hands of aldermen, one in particular I know is going to raise the issue. How much are you expecting to put toward police and fire pensions in the coming fiscal year? Well, I think uh, uh, Director McCarty estimated that it'll be an additional $2 million, so that's a significant uh, jump, and that's one of the reasons I've uh, talked to the, through the Illinois Municipal League, uh, talked to you know state representatives with regards to the importance of putting out the uh, ramp, so they call it, uh, it's like refinancing your mortgage, but uh, making our time period to become uh, 90% funded or 100% funded to 2050 instead of 2040. And by just uh, moving that to uh, another 10 years will help relieve the uh, cash crunch, if you will, or the stress, financial stress on the, um, you know, the amount due each year associated with the pension funds. Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder is here with us. want to shift gears to uh, to talk about downtown Springfield. Uh, there was an interesting article today in the Illinois Times about the uh, the EPA, which, of course, has had its headquarters uh, on North Grand, the Illinois EPA. They have to move because of railroad relocation and ultimately wound up going out to the uh, vacant old Sears space at White Oaks Mall rather than, say, coming downtown where there's hundreds of additional workers could have given a real boost to restaurants and to retail uh, and other entities downtown. Did, did the city drop the the ball on this and not fighting harder to get those state jobs into downtown? I think the um, issue came up is with regards to the affordability of that. So that's something that the state could answer the question to. Um, you know, I was on downtown Springfield's board when uh, the state signed on to make downtown the, um, you know, the part first one to look at. So, um, you know, they're supposed to do their due diligence in doing that. And, uh, you know, with regards to, I haven't seen the details of what was offered uh, with regards to the mall. Two things with regards to that. One is we're just glad that the job stayed here. They didn't go up north under the Blagorovich administration. Uh, so we're glad that they did, uh, you know, stake claims still in the capital city, which they should have. Uh, some of the jobs are going to be downtown. It's uh, not all the jobs within that structure, but most of them, of course, are going out to the mall. But when you look at today's world, uh, one of the areas that's going to be hard for communities are going to be the malls. You know, you have a closing of retail and everything else. So in a way, um, from that standpoint, it helps save the mall, you know, because when you have a large employment base, then you are going to have the uh, stores uh, staying um, and the restaurants, things of that nature, 
So, you know, I know it's, uh, you know, would I prefer them be downtown? Without a doubt. Um, but I'm just glad they're here and staying here. And, uh, you know, one of the areas that uh, was best for them, what I've heard, is through development and the open space uh, was at the mall and making it easier for them to transition out there. One of the things that had been uh, hoped to give a boost to downtown was a, a UIS downtown presence. Uh, State Senator Andy Menard has been a big champion of that, but he's leaving the Illinois General Assembly. He is going to the Pritzker administration. How will that change, do you think, affect the prospects for that project? And, and will we see any concrete movement on it in 2021? Yeah, I think uh, actually it probably helps the initiative uh, because he's more on the administration side. He's done a great job ushering on the legislative side or uh, raising the awareness and the importance of it through the state legislature, so everybody's aware of that. And uh, it's really used as a feeder and it stabilizes uh, the system with regards to uh, mainly SIU, especially in Carbondale, uh, where you can use it as a feeder um, to Carbondale, vice versa, and then also U of I. But um, with that, uh, I think it uh, will help. It's really in the uh, university's corner as far as they need to work it out, what, the, what that would look like downtown. And um, I know the interest is there. I talked to both uh, presidents of both universities, uh, especially with U of I. You know, with what I've offered them is with our utility. You know, we have a fiber network system. We're building it out to 40 gig capacity, so it can be an innovation education hub uh, in the area. And that's uh, really today's world. That's what it's all about: is technology and how fast you can, uh, you know, uh, upload data and download data. So this will help entice that type of development. And with SIU, with the medical community, as well as uh, being around the state capital, it just has multi-layer benefits uh, to their. Uh, university as well. All right, final few minutes here with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. It's time for the lightning round now where we uh, have a few loose ends. We'll throw at the mayor and see what we can find out about the mayor. Uh, there's a project going on right now that is tying up downtown traffic a little bit. Repair work at the old state armory building down there near the Capitol. Uh, unless I've missed it, I still have no idea what they're planning for the old armory. Do you have any idea what's going to be going on there? Well, originally it was the expansion of, uh, they are working on a capital complex plan. So way back when it was supposed to be legislative offices, but I think uh, it just depends on uh, the revenue sources that they have available at their disposal to do something with that. But it is an expensive project that would uh, take a mountain amount of resources that uh, time will still tell what, what actually trans transpires. North Mansion Y Block, uh, any movement there? Are we looking at anything transpiring in the year 2021? I did uh, put that out there to the state. You know, said that's an available block uh, for development as well as the uh, uh, un both universities. I said we have that and then also the ramp at 4th and Adams, so, or down the street, I should say. It's not exactly 4th and Adams. Just so it's on their radar, that's where we'd want to have developed in either one of those realms. Um, and if not, then we'll have to take a look at it. Uh, the sports complex. Uh, I, I know Scott Dahl was on the air here talking about it uh, earlier this week and what it could potentially mean in terms of visitors and money and revenue and things. Uh, where do we stand on that right now? And uh, are, is that moving along the way you hope to see it? Well, it is moving along. And uh, there's an ordinance actually um, going to be discussed in the committee as a whole. We Probably will. Um, it may stay in committee. Uh, still working out some of the logistics associated with the 
what uh, support the city would offer with regards to that. And finally, Mayor, uh, at the meeting this week, you were asked if you uh, if you have a word for the new year. The last couple of years, you have put forward uh, a word that is going to be sort of your touchstone. Your my girlfriend does this too. She has a word for the year, uh, and your word the last couple of years has been optimism. So, what is your word for twenty twenty one? Well, that was optimism 3.0, but uh, I like uh, all the woman descends on what she said, uh, unity, and she's prophetic when she said that because the very next day there wasn't much unity in the state capitol, but it's uh, something we need to reflect upon and bring people together. It doesn't matter where you live. Um, it's all about we and not about me. It seemed like a little bit, maybe just a little bit of a jab at you, Mayor, when she said unity. Oh, is that what it was? I, it, I don't know. I, <laughs> maybe I misinterpreted that, but uh, so so you're uh, you're looking for unity in the new year. Well, Oh, of course, and, you know, everybody said, you know, in this last election, everybody said, what a nice guy I am. I don't know any nice people that don't get along with individuals, so we get along with uh, everybody. It's a matter of uh, you share the same opinion and really want to get work done and projects done and how best do we do that. I think that's what the uh, – where sometimes the friction comes up, but uh, everybody can take it to the bank. Uh, my heart's for Springfield and doing what's best for the citizens of Springfield. 30 seconds left, Mayor. What is your one big goal for 2021? Well, besides coming to WMAY for an in-person uh, interview, Same. it's uh, really better health, uh, not only for myself. I think people should take a look at their health, especially what we're doing, you know, the importance of family time and quality time with others. Uh, excellent uh, things to aspire to in the new year, Mayor Jim Langfelder. We always appreciate the time. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Thank you.